0: Good evening, and welcome once again to another episode of the Friday Night Parkdale Special. I'm your host, Joyrider, coming to you live from the Dollhouse in downtown Toronto with my feline co hosts, Chatty G, Silent Shay, and Floofmaster Toby. And this is episode 65. So, I already tipped my hand last week about what this week's show will be, and so let's just get right into it. I found a number of different articles and some podcasts that were really comprehensive and fantastic, and I have so much information to share with you. But I want to start with a quote from Blind Boy of the Rubber Bandits, who actually has a podcast and it's pretty good. He said, and I quote, Northern Soul is a celebration of failure. Let's get into what he means by that. So, Michigan and Illinois' coal industry took a dive in the first half of the 1900s. In Detroit, it was largely because the major coal seams had already been exploited as far as current technology would allow. Past that point, the coal was of lower quality, and open pit methods weren't viable as a result of the geographic structures around the deposits. It would be likely that the shale would actually crumble in on them. The biggest shaft mines began to close in the 1920s, and the last open-pit mine closed in 1952. In Illinois, the coal industry continues, but on a much smaller scale than it did a hundred years ago. And this is again because of the tapping out of seams that were available, and also because of a realization of how bad coal is for the environment, and the advances of green technology have allowed people to leave those older energy forms behind. But during the 1950s, the industry was only slightly dampened by depletion because of new technologies that came to the fore in the late 1940s that allowed for more efficient working of strip mines. As with all industries, though, the mechanization of processes meant that some of the working population found themselves out of a job. In the UK, however, coal production was stable throughout the 40s and 50s, and it was only during the 60s that a steep decline began. Between 1947 and 1994, some 950 mines were closed by primarily conservative governments. In 1956, before the decline began, Parliament passed the Clean Air Act as a result of the Great Smog of December of 1952, which was responsible for an estimated 12,000 deaths. So, there was a production of coal which couldn't be used locally under this new act, and Detroit in particular still had a great need for coal. So the UK sold their surplus to the US, and great shiploads of coal would be sent to Detroit's dry docks. One of the things about a ship is that it requires ballast to stay stable in the water. So a ship that crossed the Atlantic full of tons of coal would not be able to make the return safely without any new ballast added. The export that Detroit and Chicago had in excess vinyl. Seven inches of Motown singles that hadn't been successful. They would pack those singles into boxes and then load those boxes onto the empty ships, which would then sail back to Liverpool and sometimes from there into Manchester. Once back at the docks, the sailors would unload the boxes of vinyl and leave them on the docks. The vinyl had been given to them as garbage, and so that's basically how they treated it. We've talked in the past about how big jukeboxes were in the 50s and 60s, particularly in terms of youth culture. Where the primary spot for jukeboxes in the US were soda shops and burger joints, in England it was cafes. And running a cafe, particularly one frequented by teenagers, wasn't exactly a lucrative business. Kids only spend what they have access to, and while Northern England had a booming coal industry, being a miner doesn't exactly pay well, so the kids of miners probably didn't have a ton of disposable income. This meant that the cafes weren't rolling in profits either. So when the cafe owners heard about these boxes of records being dumped on the docks, they started going down there and rescuing the vinyl, and popping the singles into their own jukeboxes. Over time, The kids got hooked on these tunes, so much so that when they would go to record stores in the south of England, they'd be asking for these incredibly obscure Motown and Soul songs, which led David Godin, owner of a shop called Soul City in London's Covent Garden, to call it Northern Soul. The drive to have the best tracks got very competitive, and DJs would be very protective of their tracks. Because of this, certain songs became associated with specific clubs because each club had its house DJs, and over the years, as the sound began to differentiate, the clubs would specialize in particular subgenres. Blackpool Mecca, for instance, was known to dive into more modern, slicker grooves as compared to, say, Wigan Casino, which stayed with the more traditional northern soul sound. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's go back to 1963 and the birthplace of the Northern Soul Movement. Originally, the space had been a beatnik cafe but it was bought by a pair of brothers in 1963 who renamed it the Twisted Wheel. They hired a DJ named Roger Eagle who was big into American soul and it didn't take long before the wheel was a huge name and people were coming from miles away to take part in their all-night dance parties. Let's take a listen now to Three of the biggest tracks to shake the floors of the twisted wheel. First up, we've got. We've got G. (laughs) First up, we've got Major Lance's It's the Beat. say they were failed Motown tracks. If you remember from the Motown episodes I did last year, most of those tracks were written by Holland Dozier Holland. And we know that Barry Gordy was an absolute genius as a businessman. He aimed every single song as a very well-rounded product. And in order to make his product sell, he knew he had to target the audience who had the most money. And it wasn't just kids. Unfortunately, it was more likely to be white kids. So the songs that tended to end up not doing well were either written more by black artists for black artists, or by white artists who just never quite hit the mark. And in a way, it's kind of interesting that I ended up doing this episode on... June 18th, because tomorrow is Juneteenth. So to my black listeners, happy Juneteenth. Up next, we've got The Impressions You've Been cheating. <laughs>
1: That you've
2: been cheating. Wishing you I'd never met. Cause you've been cheating. We'll i
0: So one of the things that uh, Blind Boy pointed out in his podcast about Northern Soul is how interesting it is that two fairly disparate-seeming cultures on either side of an ocean both related to this style of music so greatly. And he related it to the fact that both societies... Detroit and uh, Manchester specifically were so mechanized. And he actually went on to talk about his sense that the beat is mechanized in its styling, and there may be some appeal to that. And I would add on to that, that uh, there's probably some socio-cultural framing that plays into it as well. I mean, if you have a similar lifestyle, then chances are that your issues are going to be the same too. And the things that you want to escape into are likely going to have a similar appeal as well. Up next, also from the big three of the Twisted Wheel, this is Shirley Ellis's Soul Time. So as the nights evolved, they became all-nighters, as I mentioned, and one of the things that uh, propelled these events into all-nighters was youth culture, but also drugs. Instead of getting into many, many drinks, they would go out and get cold medicine. That had a ton of ephedrine in it. If you ever read the basketball diaries, uh, the author talks about medicine heads and that's basically what it was. They would go to the shop, get a bottle of cold medicine, chug that, and they would be good to go all night. Of course, this ended up drawing the attention of the cops and eventually the wheel got shut down in 1971 for amphetamines. And as a result, the Golden Torch took its spot as the place to be. The location of the Golden Torch was pretty out of the way, which was a big impedance in large part because how do you get there without transit when you're young? But that didn't stop over a thousand people showing up a night to stomp it out on the dance floor. From their biggest three tracks, this is Larry Williams and Johnny Watson's Too Late.
2: told me he said She'll mess around and be the major alcoholic. Sorry about that. I gave her my heart, she only used it. She took my love and she abused it. You gotta find a girl that will treat you right. That'll give you plenty of loving every night now. That's what I told you. You and your new love, keep on keeping on. I know that loving feels Else. I can live cheaper by myself Don't need no woman to help me starve to death Can you dig it? Hey Watson, dig this, that's what I told her I don't want no one who don't love me Who keep on dishing out misery You don't want nobody that don't treat you right You and your new love Keep on keeping on I know that love and feeling is gone Too late Way too late, baby now Too late You done messed up your good things Your ship is gone by, baby I'm gonna find me somebody new It's too late, baby
0: One of the things that... Um, shifted the movement of the the actual dances being done to this music was the speed that was part of the scene. Initially the Northern Soul dances were known to be more of a shuffle from side to side and I I haven't seen video of it at this time but I have a sense that it's much like that Melbourne shuffle where you're going from heel to toe heel to toe on kind of an angle. But as speed began to play more of a role in these nights dancers came up with these more athletic moves and again to go back to Blind Boy's podcast, he was suggesting that there's a correlation between the moves that they chose to do and Bruce Lee movies becoming popular in media. There were a lot of high kicks, big air splits, all kinds of stuff and the fashion of the time really lent to the theatrics and dynamism of these movements flares were a big part of the fashion. So if you're doing these massive kick moves, you've got giant shoes, big pants, and it's probably an amazing thing to watch. And I cannot help but draw mentally huge parallels between my own experiences in the early rave scene and the early days of the northern soul movement, particularly when I think about kickstepping back in 95. I remember a friend of mine he was able to move his feet so fast that they were practically a blur and I never quite understood how he did it until I saw the things he put up his nose. Anyway, up next, also from The Golden Torch's Big Three, this is Soul Twins' quick change artist. (laughs) things that you can say about the difference between Motown and what became known as Northern Soul is the difference in the speed. It tends to be that Northern Soul is a little bit faster than the stuff that made it big in Motown, and particularly the stuff that came out off the Motown Barry Gordy labels. Although, that being said, some of the tracks that were released on Barry Gordy's side labels actually ended up doing better in the UK. So, up next, our last one from The Golden Torch. This is Just Brothers' Sliced Tomatoes. So, although the Golden Torch was still open in 1973, Wigan Casino also opened up in 1973, and it had a much more convenient location and a higher capacity, and the Golden Torch didn't stand a chance against it. Wigan was the longest-running venue for northern Seoul, and it stayed open until 1981, when redevelopment plans closed its doors for good. To quote now from an article on Noise First, At Wigan, certain parts of the all-nighters became tradition, and DJs ended every night with three tracks, which became known as the three before eight. 8 a.m., that is. I'll play the first one for you now. This is Toby Legend's Time Will Pass You By.
3: Passing seasons all but fade into misty clouds of autumn gray as i sit here looking at the street little figures quickly moving feet i'm just a-
0: Second of the three before eight is Jimmy Radcliffe's Long After Tonight Is All Over.
2: Tonight, with you, for the first time, I have learned what my lips are for. And darling, now that I've kissed you, I am craving to kiss you more. Let me tell you. Long after tonight is all over Long after tonight is all gone I'll be yours Forever and the day I'm yours Come anything to me, you'll always be Just everything to me Yeah, here in my arms When I'm you, I can feel that the world I'll cry till the end of time Let me tell you Long after tonight It all
0: There are a couple of slang terms that were used to refer to the different styles of songs that were played on these all-nighters. Stormer, Floor Shaker, Floater, and Stomper. I'm pretty sure that one was a floater, and I say pretty sure because I read a fair number of posts on different forums, and I couldn't get a solid definition from any one of them, even amongst these people who were there back in the day, they were having debates about how to apply those labels correctly. So don't take my word for it. Up next, the last of the three before eight is Dean Parrish's I'm On My Way.
2: Yeah. Oh
0: have ever had the privilege to be at the closing night of a club or a long-running club night, you can understand the emotional impact that it can have and the importance of the last track the DJ chooses for that night. I think the one that sticks out in my memory the most is the closing track for Destiny Fridays. A friend of mine, A.C., played Howard Jones's Hide and Seek, the 12-inch extended remix, and I think at the time there were maybe four of us left in the room, and I remember hearing that opening series of tones, and immediately my head shooting up, and I made eye contact with Chris, I'm like, holy crap i cannot believe you're playing this i love you for playing it but i also want to kill you because you're breaking my goddamn heart right now and a good closing track for a club or a night can really set the tone for what it is that you remember about that club or that night and while i've been present for the closing of other clubs and other nights that Destiny Fridays stands out in my memory in large part because it was such a beautiful and emotional track that Chris chose. On the very last night of Wigan Casino, DJ Russ Winston closed out with the three before eight and then played one final track, which apparently brought the patrons to tears. That track was Do I Love You? Indeed I Do by Frank Wilson. Let's take a listen to that now. Aside from the Three Before Eight and the Closing Night track, there were four other tracks that were key to the Wiggins' legacy. Let's start with Duke Browner's Crying Over You. Next, from the four main tracks from the Wigan, is Billy Butler's Right Track. by an artist that we've talked about before on this show, one for whom I have a great deal of respect. This is Edwin Starr's Time. Finally, an artist who is a bit of a surprise in the Northern soul movement. This is Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, The Night. The final major club which formed the northern soul scene was the Blackpool Mecca. It was really the only true rival to the Wigan Casino, and that was in part because of the way that the DJs and the patrons approached the music. The Mecca was willing to embrace the new 70s sounds of funk and disco, but the Wigan crew felt that it was practically heretical to move away from the original northern sound. The Mecca had two major DJs during their time, Ian Levine and Colin Curtis, and it was Ian Levine who made the first brave push for the new sounds. Quoting now from Ian Levine himself, I stopped the music at the Mecca one night and made an announcement. This is a very special record that I heard on the radio in Miami, and it's taken me seven months to find it. You have to trust me, It's not your normal Northern Soul record. It's got something special. Give it a chance and you'll love it like I do. So I played it and a few people danced to it. Within an hour, I had over a hundred requests to play it again and I played it three times that night. Inside two weeks, it stood to epitomize the sound of Blackpool Mecca and paved the way for other similar sounding tracks to follow the song in question, It Really Hurts Me Girl, by the car stairs. Let's take a listen to that now. There were a few other tracks that were huge at the Mecca. First up, Yuima's I'm Not Ready. Next up, we've got the rim shots, do what you feel. You can definitely hear the stronger disco and funk influences in that track, as compared to the tracks that we listened to earlier from The Wigan. And finally, an instrumental from Van McCoy. This is Soul Improvisations Part 2. Levine wasn't the only DJ to travel and bring back rare grooves. Vinyl dealers and other DJs did it too. One of the biggest breakthroughs is a track that you'll no doubt know from the Mark Almond soft sell version. I'm talking, of course, about Tainted Love. The rise to its legendary status began when Richard Searling literally tripped over a copy of gloria jones's single in a cleveland warehouse on a buying trip and get this tainted love was the b-side let's listen now to gloria jones's original of tainted love Mentioned the rivalry that existed between DJs. The rarer the track, the more fierce the competition. Some of those singles have been known to now go for thousands of dollars, and it's been said that this is where white labeling began. DJs would cover the labels so that nobody could see who the track was by or what it was called, sometimes even going so far as to deliberately mislabel their tracks to prevent anyone else from getting a scoop on them. Richard Searling, for example, had an acetate of Anne Bridgeforth's What Should I Do, and he mislabeled it as When He's Not Around by Rose Valentine. Acetates, also called test pressings or dub plates, are used for quality control. A batch of vinyl would be pressed, and they would be inspected or tested against this acetate. Anything less than a match would be recycled or trashed. An acetate can only be played so many times before it simply wears out and stops being playable. Its life is much, much more limited than a vinyl pressing, so to have one is just an incredible treasure. Let's listen now to Little Anne Bridgeforth's What Should I Do? For the last section of the show, we're going to close out with a number of popular tracks that aren't necessarily associated to specific clubs. First up, we have Freddie Chavez's They'll Never Know Why. Next up, we've got Chairman of the Board's Give Me Just a Little More Time. Next up from Tony Clark, we've got Landslide.
2: (音楽) (laughs) 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 Misery is rushing down on me like a landslide.
0: Now, from Arthur Conley, this is Sweet Soul Music. This next song may sound familiar to you, and if it does, that's because it has a much longer history than simply this form. Originally, Wade in the Water was written as a spiritual, what W.E.B. Du Bois called sorrow songs. These were songs sung by enslaved black people in the U.S., and the lyrics to Wade in the Water were first published in 1901, and the first commercial recording of the song was done by the Sunset Four Jubilee Singers in 1925, released by Paramount Records. This next track is a take on it by Marlena Shaw, and it's called Let's Wade in the Water. Next from Joy Love Joy, this is In Orbit. Next we've got the contours, just a little misunderstanding. Now, from Willie T., this is Walking Up a One Way Street.
2: I told you that I loved you time and time again. You got me crying, baby, and my tears are flowing just like rain. Well, I'm all alone in blue as can beat, and I'm walking, walking, walking up a one-way street. Don't take much to please me But every day here lately Seems like all you do is tease me Well, I'm all alone in blue as can be And I'm walking, walking, walking up a one-way street
0: Next, from Dobie Gray, this is Out on the Floor. Next up, From the Vibrations, this is Cause You're Mine. I'm into the last few songs of the night, but I had to play this one as there were commemorative patches released as part of the Northern Soul movement, and one of them references this song. This is the MVPs' Turn In My Heart Beat Up.
2: That bass you can't keep the pace It's tearing my brain apart. Whoa, I never ever felt like this before. But all I can say is, Mama, give me some more. Turning my heart, beat up. Turn in my heart, beat up. It's getting harder. Turn my heart, beat up. Turn in my heart, up. up. I can The starting to get warm like the fire that's burning I got a little volcano about to erupt We're more than enough to be your loving God Turning my heartbeat up, ooh-wee Turning my heartbeat up, it's getting harder Turning my heartbeat up, ooh ooh Turning my heartbeat up,
0: Our second last song for the night comes to us from Lou Pride, who sounds a little bit like R.L. Burnside. This is I'm Coming Home in the Morning.
4: She was feeling bad She didn't know what to do She was all alone Wanted me to come home She was feeling sad Let me tell you baby I'm coming home In the morning Yes I will I'm coming home I right on, baby. Oh yes, I will. I wrote my baby's special and told her I didn't know her love was that strong. If she had just a little patience, baby, I was surely coming home i coming home in the morning. Oh, yes, I will. I'm home in the morning.
0: Our last song for the night is by the show Stoppers and it's called Ain't Nothing But A House Party. And that's our show for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you share some of your week with me. If you like what I do, consider supporting the show by tossing a coin to your DJ at ko-fi.com forward slash Writer your tips go to new tunes for future episodes. You can follow the show on Facebook at the Friday Night Parkdale special, all one word. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at DJoyRider. I'm always open to new show ideas and those are great places to drop your suggestions. I look forward to hearing them. As always, be well and stay safe and we'll see you next week. Have a good one.